and welcome to the Mama Mentor Podcast. My name is Joyce, and here we talk everything life. So if you listen to my midweek musings episode, you know that we just recently lost our beautiful chassis kitty. You may have heard her in previous podcast meowing in the background she always liked to come and make a little appearance while I was recording so I thought today I would veer a little bit away from the homemaking and routines that really are what we talk about most on the mama mentor podcast but like I say when I start the podcast every time is we talk about everything life And right now, this is part of our life. We are grieving the loss of our beloved pet. And so I want to talk a little bit about grief in general. Um, It is a subject that I am well-versed in. I haven't talked about it previously on the podcast, but... Uh, 13 years ago, um, I lost my daughter as an infant. Since then, I have lost my father. And now we have lost Chassie. So I am familiar with all kinds of grief. And so I really wanted to talk about it. Because quite honestly, not very many people do. It seems to be one of those subjects where it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable to talk about it. You know, we, when somebody that we know has had a loss, whether it's a marriage, a child, a sibling, a parent, or a pet, we express our condolences for their loss we ask if there's anything that we can do for them and then that's pretty much the end of the conversation and we may come back to that several times in support for them you know how are you doing hey can i help you with that but that goes away really quickly and i've come to learn that it's not because your friends and family have stopped caring about your loss. It's that they no longer know what to say. And that can be really hard because a lot of times when we don't know what to say, we just don't say anything. And that can sometimes leave the person who is grieving feeling like nobody cares about their grief anymore. And I have found that that's simply not true. Because like I said, I have been on both sides of the grieving process. I have been the person that is grieving and I have had friends and family who are grieving. And I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Cause you would think that having uh, lost a marriage, lost a daughter, lost a father, lost a mother, lost a pet, that I would have the perfect thing to say to anybody who is grieving. The reality is I don't because there isn't a good thing to say. There really isn't a good thing to say 
because everything that you say as you're saying it feels like not enough, ridiculous, sometimes insensitive. And so it's really hard to continually give that support to people that are grieving because you run out of things that sound okay to your own ears. So I'm going to give some advice, some hard-won advice for people who are grieving and what to do if you know someone who's grieving. So first of all, I'm going to talk about my own grief and what works good for me. What works good for me and I found speaking with other people who have had loss of different things throughout their life and especially loss of children. Talking about it really helps. Find someone that you can talk about your grief with, whether that's a friend, a family member, a spouse, counseling, so that you can talk about the sadness that you feel Um, how much you miss them. Because another thing that isn't really understood by people who have not gone through deep levels of grief is that we don't just grieve for the loss of that person or pet. We grieve the future loss of them in our lives. So let me give you an example. So when I lost my daughter, I did not just grieve the losing of a child. I had to grieve the loss of taking her to kindergarten, brushing her hair, having her go on her first date, a wedding day, a college day, a graduation, uh, mom, mother and daughter manicures and pedicures, you know, sleepovers with friends, sweet 16, learning how to drive, all those things. You know, with the, with the pet that we just lost, we're grieving, you know, how she used to greet us when we walked in the door. We're grieving that she used to sleep on the couch next to us while we watched movies. We're grieving that she would curl up in a bed and spend the night with us. We're grieving all of that. We're grieving the sound of her meows when she wanted extra treats. We're grieving just her presence in our home. And so finding someone that you can talk about all of those things to is so important. And it's very cathartic. It really can help you through the grieving process. And that's not going to come right away. You're going to go you're going to go for times where you want to talk about them a lot. Like there's times I go and I want to talk about my daughter like nonstop. And then there's times where I just want to be alone with my thoughts about her. And that's both of those things are okay. Both of those things are okay. And if you find it troubling to talk, you can't get the words out, or maybe you don't have someone that you can confide in and, and talk about those feelings and be vulnerable with, I find that writing those things down to be exceptionally therapeutic. 
in the beginning, I, I kept a diary of all of my feelings of like the good, the bad, the ugly, because there are good, bad and ugly. And it was very helpful. It helped me to move through the grieving process. The other thing I want to say is that grieving is not a linear process. You do not move through the five stages of grief. If you've, you know, ever read any books about that, you do not move through them one, two, three, four, five. It does not come in a straight line. It bounces around and there are days when you are grieving so much that it hurts to breathe and there are other days when you're okay and depending on the kind of loss that you have that can go on for a while and there is nothing wrong with you if it goes on for a protracted period of time grief does not have a time limit it does not really have a pattern. It does have five stages, but they don't come in order. And just because you've done one stage doesn't mean you're not going to go back six months from now and revisit that stage. Because these are emotions. These are our feelings. And as we are processing this grief and processing what our life now looks like after this loss, that process is continuing. So, you know... As we process each part of the loss in our life and how it shows up in our life, we may revisit different parts of that grieving process over and over again. And it's different for everyone. Some people are fine and seem to move through things quickly. Others take a really long time. And neither one of those situations are bad. That is just what it is. That's how you're dealing with it. Um, I lost uh, a beloved dog about five years ago. And for months, both me and my youngest son were just devastated. And, but then we you know, we decided that we were going to get another puppy and she quickly filled our hearts with love and our home with joy. But there were still times a year, two years later when something would trigger um, a memory of him or trigger that sadness and I would find myself sobbing over his loss. And that's okay. We're human beings. We're not supposed to bottle everything up and stuff it down somewhere and put it away. And my advice also, if you have people in your life that think that that's the way that you're supposed to do it, um, I'm not saying get rid of those people out of your life because they just may not have had loss in their life where they actually understand the grief process. So it's not that they're trying to be mean. They, they are coming at it from a good place. They are, because they're wanting you to get past the sadness and get back to normal life. What they don't realize is that you have to find a new normal. Whether, like I said, it's a loss of a marriage, a parent, a child, a pet. There is now a new normal 
after that loss. You can't go back to the way it was before. So you have to navigate and create what that new normal looks like. And that can take time depending on the gravity of the loss and depending on how you are moving through the grieving process. So it's not like you have to, you know, unfriend them and block them and erase them from your lives. However, I would caution coming to those people with your grieving process. Don't use them as a source to help you grieve. You know, that would not be the person that, you know, six months or a year later that you're still going, wow, I had a really tough day and I was in tears today because, you know, of my grief, because they're just not going to be the support that you need. Um, and you may not have any friends or family that understands. You may find that in a support group or counseling or just writing. There were so many times that I took to writing in different grieving situations that really helped me to get my feelings out, get my thoughts out. And once those thoughts were out on paper, I find it was easier for me to navigate creating that new normal. It helped me to really see areas that I needed to be more gentle with myself with, areas that I needed to kind of push through. And, you know, okay, I need to make some of those changes a little bit quicker. But give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace. Um, what I would suggest is try as much as you possibly can, because like I said, it depends on what you are grieving. You know, you may be grieving the loss of a job that you really loved and, you know, you spend a couple days in bed going, you know, how am I ever going to find another job that makes me feel as good as this one did and have the same, you know, possibility of promotion and higher wages and benefits and all that stuff and it may take a couple days of in bed and then you start you know re-establishing a routine and stuff like that you know that's you're probably going to move through that quicker than if you lost a child because that's a whole different level of grief but what I am going to suggest regardless of what you are grieving is as best as you possibly can try to stick to some basic routines. And these routines are as such. Drink your water every day. Stay hydrated. You know, there's a lot of things on the market that have collagen in them, electrolytes, vitamins that you can mix into water and drink. And I suggest using those things because grief does a number on your physical well-being because our bodies will take emotional pain and turn it into physical pain. And the more emotional pain that you are in, the more physical pain will start manifesting. So, you know, drink your water, put the electrolytes in it, put the collagen in it, put the vitamins in it. Take your vitamins every day. As best as you possibly can, get nutrition into your body. 
And by that, I mean, try your best. Like, don't get me wrong. I have crushed a bag of chips, a two liter of Coca-Cola and a pizza and some chocolate and just what I call ate my feelings. And I have done that on several occasions for several different grief instances. And that's okay. As long as that's not your everyday. So it's okay to, you know, sit with your container of ice cream. It's okay to, you know, eat a whole bag of Reese's peanut butter cup minis at one sitting as you cry. Just don't do it every day. Try to get nutrition in any way possible, whether that's a protein shake, whether that's a pre-made salad, whether that's friends bringing you over a meal, um, whether that's you ordering in a meal or going out and getting a meal, get regular nutrition into your body because the more we can keep our body strong, the more we can deal with the physical manifestations of our grief. Another thing that is super important, and you wouldn't think it was so important, but I challenge you if you're not going through a grieving situation to try this so that you can see that even on a non-grieving person, how well this can make a difference so that you can maybe have it in your arsenal for when you are grieving or when someone close to you is grieving and you can help them to do this as well. Do some morning and evening rituals. It doesn't matter what they are. It really doesn't. My morning and evening rituals are skincare. Um, I have eczema and eczema is exacerbated by stress. So doing the skincare morning and night when I am going through some grief is extra important for me because it also keeps my eczema from flaring up. And there is just something about a freshly washed face with some nice serums and moisturizer on that makes you start the day in a little bit of a brighter mood and it makes you feel a little more put together. Right before I started recording this podcast, I did that. I did exactly that. I filled up my water glass, put my collagen and my electrolytes in my glass and stirred it up. It's a nice flavor. I love it. And then I went and I washed my face and I put my serums on it and my moisturizers on it. And then I, I di- don't get me wrong, I didn't do my hair. What I did was I brushed it and put it up into a bun. So it kind of looks like that, you know how that, like that messy bun mom thing that goes around that, you know, is, it looks kind of unkept, but in a way it kind of looks great. That's what I did to my hair. And when you're thinking, oh, that's going to, I'm just going to look like crap. You won't. If your face is freshly washed and moisturized with serums and all that stuff that makes us feel good. And you put a little chapstick on. I'm not saying put makeup on. I really am not saying put makeup on because I really don't, you know, if you feel good putting makeup on and that needs to be part of your ritual, lean hard into that. Mine is not. Again, the eczema, you know, and it tends to flare up when I'm, in emotional states. And so makeup is just not my friend. 
Um, but even with my messy bun, but my face is nice and moisturized and looks clean and my eyes are brighter. I do look better. I look better than when I went into the bathroom to do that and put on clean clothes. So that's my, that's my morning routine that I lean into every day so that I can rely on it during times of stress because it's really hard to try to get a new habit started when you're in the midst of emotional turmoil, which is why I'm suggesting if you are not right now in a period of grieving for something, start these things now because then you can lean on them when you need to, which is what I'm doing is I had already started these things. So now I am leaning on them to make me feel good as I go through this process. And then a nighttime routine. So my nighttime routine is, again, the skincare. Um, for the same reason, because it's really nice to wash the day off your face. And when you are, again, freshly moisturized with the serums and the creams and all the things, I personally feel better going to sleep like that. I also add a bath into that. So, like, I'm, and I'm not talking about like getting in and scrubbing yourself clean because I don't believe in doing that in a bathtub. That's a shower ritual. You know, cleaning yourself, that's showering. So a bath is just for unwinding and relaxing your muscles. So I have a variety of bath salts and bath soaks, like, you know, oatmeal and milk baths or, you know, Himalayan pink sea salt, you know, aromatherapy soaks. Um, and those I use, again quite regularly because they make me feel good and they really help during times of struggle to really at the end of the day a nice hot bath with you know some nice soaking in it and then some skincare and put on some nice pajamas and then I'm ready to tuck myself in with a glass of water or a cup of tea or both and I am more likely to have a better night's sleep after doing those things than if I don't. And because I have been doing them on a regular basis, that right now when I'm just really sad, they become a helpful tool to just keep me on track so that I'm not swallowed up in my grief. So get a ritual started now. Get a morning one started, get an evening one started. It might, have, it might be yoga. It might be going for a walk. It might be going for a run. It might be for you putting on makeup in the morning. It might be for you that you put on a cute little outfit with some shoes and you're doing your stuff around the house or to your job with, you know, fully put together because that's what brings you joy. That's what makes you feel like, okay, I've got, I, I can do today. You know, whatever that ritual is in the morning and the evening, develop it now and develop it in a way that makes you happy. And you'll know, you'll know, you'll know what's going to feel good, what's going to make you feel like, oh, that, you know, I feel ready for the day in the morning and at the end of the day going, okay, now I'm really relaxed and I could go, you know, watch a show or do some journaling or listen to an audiobook or read my Kindle and go to sleep. You'll know what those things are. We all know what things make us feel better. We really do. 
Um, there's this thing going around TikTok. Um, I know I'm older and you think, you know, why are you in your 50s listening to TikTok? But I do. I like the TikToks. Um, and I'm going to try this one. Um, so it is. So this is not my, this is not my recipe. Don't get me wrong. But this girl, and she swears by this for every night as part of her ritual to help her sleep. So what she does is she gets a fancy, it looks to me like a wine goblet. And I understand what that's about. Drinking ordinary liquids out of fancy glasses, I'm all in for. I do it all the time. I drink my orange juice, plain orange juice, out of a wine goblet because it makes me feel good. You know, it's part of that whole romancing the ordinary. Um, but I'm going to try this thing. So she starts off with the goblet. She puts some ice in there, some tart cherry juice, some magnesium powder, and like like the supplement magnesium powder, and then like a, a like a lemon lime fizzy drink. So you could use like Sprite or Seven Up or ginger ale or anything. You know, maybe it's what is that fancy water that's lemon lime. Perrier. You could put Perrier in there, I'm assuming. And then she puts like a dried blood orange in it for garnish. And she drinks that every night and she swears by it because it helps her sleep better. And my thought is it helps her sleep better because of what's in the drink, because cherry juice and magnesium are all really good for you. But I think that's 50% of the formula. And the other 50% is the fact that it's A, in a beautiful goblet, and B, that it's something she's doing every night. So her mind and body know that when this drink is being consumed, we're getting ready for bed. She doesn't drink it in the morning. She doesn't drink it throughout the day. This is part of her bedtime ritual. So it's telling her mind and body, we're done for the day. It's time to slow down. It's time to relax. It's time to get ready for sleep. And it's time to sleep. So I think it's about a 50-50 combination of the ritual and actually the ingredients. So I'm going to give that a try because first of all, it sounds super fun and amazing. And I'm all about romancing the ordinary, but I also think it will, I, I also think it'll work. And isn't it great that we can find new things that work. So if you're going through a grieving process, nutrition, hydration, rituals to make yourself feel better, and finding an outlet for expressing your grief, whether that's therapy, writing, talking to a close friend or family member about how you're feeling, and not the how are you doing, I'm fine. That's not talking. I'm talking about being having someone where you could go, yeah, hi, I was in the middle of the shower, and I was choke sobbing as the water was running over me. Or I went to go put the garbage out and I saw something that reminded me of whatever I'm grieving about and I'm sobbing at the curb putting my garbage out. Someone that you can say those truths to that'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry that that I, I feel for you. I feel for you. What can I do to help? Let's talk about it. Somebody that you can have those conversations with. Now, for the people that are trying to support someone that's grieving, I also have some tips for you. Because having been through different varieties of guilt, or guilt, grief, different varieties of grief, 
I can tell you what was helpful to me and through conversations with other people who have gone through similar time types of grief also found these same things helpful. First of all, be someone who listens. Not talks with suggestions. Oh, well, you know what would make you feel better? You know what you should do? You know what you should be doing? Not that. That's talking. Listening. Where you are going, tell me about your day. Tell me how you're feeling. And if they've lost a a person or a pet, say this to them. Tell me what your best memory of that person or pet was. Let them talk about them because grief is an end point. And I think sometimes we forget that it was only one moment in time with that person or pet or situation. It's the end point. So the end point was a fixed moment in time, but there was a whole previous relationship that we can talk about. We do not have to focus on just that grief. We can talk about, hey, uh, oh, that dress would have looked amazing on your daughter. Oh, anytime I see pink flowers, it reminds me of your daughter. Oh, I saw a kitten today that reminded me of Chassie. Oh, I, I saw a gentleman in the grocery store that so reminded me of your father. Or, oh, do you remember that time, you know, when we were doing this and your dad said this? Oh, how funny was that? Or things like that. Letting them talk about memories and about good times because we have, we are grieving that whole relationship with that person or that situation or that pet. We are not just grieving the end of it. We are grieving the whole relationship that that is not continuing. And so talking about the good times and the happy times and things that remind us of it and and thoughts that are coming to your head, we need to express those as well. And so if you're trying to be supportive to someone who is in the grieving process, let them talk about that. Let them talk about all the good things. Let them talk about all the messy things, you know, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're divorcing someone who you hated from the get-go that they married. Now would not be the time to be like, well, I told you you shouldn't have married them or I told, I, I, you know, you shouldn't have been in that relationship with that person. Now is the time to go, oh, girl, you know, you are so amazing and I am glad that you are in my life and, you know, I feel sad for that person that they didn't realize what a wonderful person that you were. And that's okay because the rest of us now get to enjoy you that much more. Those are supportive things. You know, um, talk about, oh, you know, I remember when, you know, your cat used to come and jump on my lap every time I visited. And, oh, I miss that when I come over. They want to know that you're missing this too or that you're understanding that this is a whole process. They want to feel seen and heard and understood. So be a good listener. Be a good listener. Another thing, and we always do this with people that are grieving. We always say, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What can, you, what can I do for you? And there comes a point in time when, especially like if they've lost a person through death, that we're like, oh, can I bring you a meal? Can I clean your house? Can I do this? 
And speaking from personal experience, that is really hard because you know they're trying to be helpful, but sometimes you don't want someone in your house cleaning your house. Sometimes you don't want, you know, you're like, okay, I've eaten somebody else's meals for a week now and I'm done, you know, but now's a good time. And I would never have thought of this before. But one thing that was really helpful after my daughter passed away was instead of feeling like people were always trying to do for me or what can I do for you? How can I help? When they restarted saying, hey, can I ask your advice on this? Or can you give me a hand with this? Or can you do me a favor? When they started asking me for advice and favors and help, then I once again felt like, okay, I am moving back into a new normal because my friends were always asking me for help and advice and uh, assistance. So when they were all of a sudden going, oh, let us do this, let us do this, let us do this, you know, after all, it was like, okay, I don't, I don't need any more help because nothing's helping, you know? And so when they started to be like, hey, I need you to come over and, you know, help me clean my house or, you know, do you think you could help me move this dresser from the basement to the upstairs or vice versa? Or, you know, can you come over and help me rake my leaves? Or, you know, I'm really need to get out of the house. Do you want to come with me for a walk? Those sort of things really helped me to feel like I was valued and that I was cared for and that I was still important to the people around me and that I did, wasn't now all of a sudden a useless human being because I kind of felt like that. I kind of felt useless. And so getting asked to do things was really helpful for me and it may not be for everyone. Um, but it, it really was for me. So don't, don't, um, don't put that away as an option as supporting a grieving person, you know, because you never know what will help. And, you know, if they value your friendship, you know, they want to still be friends. They don't want to be a project. And friendship means that sometimes you're asking for their advice or their help. And that makes those of us who are grieving feel quote unquote normal because that would be normally what would be happening. So be kind to the people that are grieving in your life because it's never going to happen as they're never going to quote unquote get through it or quote unquote get over it as quickly as you are thinking they should or as quickly as general word world opinions maybe and i think one of the reasons why we so quickly want people to get over their grief is because their grief makes us uncomfortable because we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do and we don't know how to make it better but if you just focus on the fact that you can't make it better there's nothing you can do or say that's going to make it better so just be a good friend or a good parent or a good child or a good sibling to whoever it is in your life that's grieving and stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to make it better. It's not better. It's not going to be better. The process of finding a new normal is going to take time and it's guaranteed going to take longer than you who isn't grieving thinks it's going to. 
So just be kind and gracious and be open to talking about, you know, maybe two years after their pet has died, they cry because they, you know, walked by a pet store or, you know, somebody had kittens for, for, to give away. And they reminded them so much of their pet that they just broke into tears. That's okay. Listen to their story. Listen to their grief. Grief affects us all in different ways and it's a different timetable. And if people in our lives know that they can bring their emotions, whatever they are, at whatever time schedule they are, if they can bring them to us and share them with us, that is the helping part. You know, when you're always going, well, I wish there was something I could do or wish I was something I could say, that's what you can do. You can always be the person who hasn't rushed them through the process or isn't kind of eye rolling going, well, you, you know, you lost that dog five years ago. Like, why are you still crying about it? You know, don't be that person. If you really want to help someone who's grieving, never be that person. You know, I lost a family pet when I was 12 years old and I'm 51 now. So that's like, I don't know, 39 years. And there are still times when all of the perfect storm triggers go together and I can still cry about that dog because I loved him and he was important to me on an everyday basis. And if you are really honest with yourself and you're one of those people that wants to hurry other people through their grief process, look at your own grief process. Is one of the reasons why you want them to get better so fast is because you haven't properly processed grief from your life? Maybe them crying about their pet or their parent or a sibling or a marriage is because it reminds you of a time that you grieved and you don't want them talking about it because then it's going to bring up feelings of your own grief and then you're going to start crying and you don't know what to do with those feelings. But here's the thing, cry with them. Cry with them. Because that, when you are crying about your grief and talking about it and then the person you're talking with it about it starts crying too. Believe it or not, that really feels good. Because then you're like, you are feeling what I'm feeling right now so much so that it's bringing you to tears. So you understand the sadness and you understand the grief. And that makes those of us who are going through the grieving process feel not alone. Because grief has a tendency to isolate us. And it makes us feel seen and heard and not isolated. I wasn't even sure I was going to do a podcast on grief. You know, because if you've listened to my other podcasts, you know I'm kind of funny and kind of make jokes. And, you know, it's all about progress over perfection and all of that thing. So it's kind of a different tone today, but I needed to talk about it and I need to talk about the grief because I'm sad. I'm sad. I miss her. This is, you know, other than the midweek musings that I recorded the other day, this is the first full podcast that I've done where she hasn't been meowing at some point during the podcast. And that makes me sad.
It makes me sad that I'm sitting here and she's not walking around. That she is not looking for some treats or cuddled up beside me or just walking around and I can see her off in the distance. That makes me sad. It makes me sad that, you know, for the past almost week, I haven't been able to cuddle up with her on the couch and she hasn't crawled into my bed and she hasn't greeted me when I walked inside from doing chores outside or from running errands. It makes me sad. She was a part of my life and she is still a part of my life because she has not ceased to exist. She has just passed away and I am going to have to learn to have days without her and I'm going to have to learn to have days where I'm not crying and I'm going to have to learn to have days where that pain isn't the first thing I feel when I wake up and I'm going to have to learn that. And talking about that helps. And I'm hopeful that somebody who's listening to this podcast may be going through some of their own grief and something that I have said today will help them as they navigate their own grief or that it will find somebody who is trying to support someone in grief and it will help them to find a better way to support their loved one in their grief. Because unfortunately, grief is a part of life. We lose things all the time. We lose pets. We lose jobs. We lose spouses and parents and siblings and friends and sometimes even children. And if we don't have a healthy way of moving through that grief and developing a new normal, and if we don't have a way to support people moving through their grief to create a new normal, it's devastating. It's devastating because it will freeze you in your tracks because you have to move through the grief you have to develop a new normal and if you can do it in a way that is loving and supported and you're nurturing your your soul and your body and you're leaning into your rituals so that you are in the best physical condition that you can be to bear the ramifications of that grief then you will come out the other side better and in some ways you'll be stronger because you will have that empathy to be able to support someone else in their grief and that's one of the things that I've really learned as I've gone through my own grief is that it has really increased my capacity for empathy and understanding when I need to be the support for somebody else in grief um a last piece of advice. And I'm guilty of this myself, even knowing that I shouldn't do this. It has slipped out and I'm guilty of it. But please, please, as you're supporting someone who is grief, grieving, please never let these words cross your lips. Please never tell them, I know how you feel. 
Because the reality is you don't. You may have lost a pet just like they did, or you have may have lost a child just like they did, or you have may have lost a spouse just like they did, or parents. But everybody's grief is so unique to them that even though the circumstances that brought you to grief might be very similar, you actually don't know how they feel. But you know what it is okay to say? It is okay to say, I don't have the words to express my support for you. Or I don't have the words to express how sorry I am for your loss. Or I'm not sure what the right thing to say to you is right now, but I want you to know that I am here to listen. All of those things are acceptable because even those of us who are grieving understand that there isn't right words to say to someone who's grieving. There just isn't. And it doesn't matter how much experience you have. There's nothing that's right to say. So I hope that this has been helpful for even just one person. If this has even just helped one person have the ability to move through their grief better or help one person be able to support someone who is grieving better, then I'm glad that I shared. Um, It was hard to share. Those are intimate, personal things for me and I'm not the best at always sharing those things. Um, but I felt it was important. So this week, hug your loved ones, give them and yourself some grace as we walk through this life that we are walking through. Love on your pets a little bit. I still have my four dogs. And let me tell you, after Chassie passed away, I loved on them so hard, (laughs) which they love. They, they, they'll take all the love they can get. Um, love on your pets. Love on your pets. Because rem- just remember that, you know, they may be a part of your life, but you're their whole life. And take pictures. Take pictures of everyone in your life. Everyone that means anything in your life. Every pet that means anything in your life. Take pictures. Take videos. Because they bring comfort when those people aren't around those pets aren't around, those situations aren't around, take pictures, take video. Everyone's got a phone now. It's not that hard to snap a few few photos. So like everything on the Mama Mentor podcast, take what works and toss the rest because life is far too short to be told what to do. Love you tons. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.